Welcome back to another week of the Rise Station podcast. I'm your host, Pernella Harris, licensed mental health provider. Here at the Rise Station, I invite you to open your heart and mind to the possibility of transformation. Episodes are geared at elevating your mindset, improving your relationships, and providing you with practical tips on how to improve your life. If that sounds good to you, then join me for a new episode at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Monday so that you start your week off energized and ready to conquer whatever life throws your way. Please share this podcast out to your friends and your family so that they can grow and thrive with you. Today, we are discussing seven practical tips for self-care to avoid burnout. I know for myself, I am constantly trying to manage my self-care, making sure that I am constantly giving to myself so that I can keep giving to others. So we're going to discuss more about that. But before we do, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice. Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. You know, self-care may seem like an easy thing to do, but actually applying it and making it a lifestyle is difficult for so many people. I often ask myself, why is something that should be so natural, so difficult for us, especially women? I often receive a lot of pushback from women I treat in my private practice when I suggest spending more time on themselves. You would be surprised by the strong resistance I get when I suggest, you know, to overwhelmed women, to exhausted women, that they should prioritize themselves and try to find ways to rest you would be amazed by how much resistance I get. You would think that these women would jump at the opportunity to give it all up, to give up all those tasks, to give up all those burdens, to focus on themselves. This is often not the case though. Most women I talk to would argue and they have about 10 common arguments, right? Number one that I hear is they have no time. I just don't have the time. I can't, you know, add one more thing to my list. Number two is they feel like there is so much more that they could be doing with their free time. You know, I could be getting ahead. I could be doing so much more or so many other things with my time. Number three is, you know, self-care is selfish, I just feel very selfish when I try to prioritize myself. I feel guilty like I should be doing something else with my time. Number four is I should think of others before myself. 
You know, they're raised in cultures and families and religions where they should be prioritizing other people rather than themselves or they're shamed out of self-care. Number five is I need to work hard if I want to get ahead. The only way I'm going to make a name for myself in this company, the only way I'm going to get ahead in my business is if I sacrifice and I have to work hard in order to get ahead. Number six is if I don't do it, it won't get done. So if I don't clean the entire house by myself, then it won't get done. I can't rely on other members of my family to do anything. If I want it done, I have to do it myself. The other things that I've heard, number seven is I like being needed. I like providing for others. I like giving to others. I feel good when I can help other people. Number eight is I'm a giver. That's just what I do. That's just the part of me. I like to give. I'm a giver. I'm known for being a giver, right? They attach their identity to overgiving. Number nine is I can't let my family, spouse, friend down. They depend on me. So I have to be there for them always. And number 10 is I am supposed to serve others. It's my culture. It's my religion. It's how I was raised. Believe it or not, these are examples of limiting beliefs. These beliefs about self-care serve as a barrier to actually doing it. So yes, if you have these limiting beliefs, you're going to feel guilty about prioritizing yourself, right? That coupled with your environment, if you have people around you who are used to you putting yourself on the back burner and catering to their needs, the moment you stop doing that, they will not be happy with you. Even though this is a great change for you, they may not support it because it requires them to put forth more effort because you have pulled back your energy, creating a demand for work for them. So sometimes they may lash out and convey some of those limiting beliefs back to you. They might project onto you. They may call you selfish. They may make you feel guilty, but just want you to know that it is necessary for your own well-being for you to prioritize self-care for yourself. You know, in my work with women around self-care, many of them say, you know, Pranella, I see the value in doing self-care activities, but where do I start? How do I incorporate this into my life? It just seems like there is just not enough time. I don't know how to do it, where to start, right? And there is time, right? You just have to restructure your time and make it a priority. You are with yourself every minute of the day. So there has to be some time. You just have to decide that you are worthy of your own time and to stop giving everything you have to everyone but yourself, right? So you just have to make the decision, decide to prioritize yourself, decide that you are worthy of your time, energy, and resources, right? Because self-care is an expression of self-love. Every time you say yes to yourself, it means you're saying no to others. This is where boundaries come in. Protect the time and attention you give to yourself. Carve out that time. Be intentional about it. Carve out how you're going to spend your time, where you're going to divert your energy, how you're going to use your resources so that you fill your own bucket. 
before filling others, right? So I've come up with a few buckets that I want you to fill with just practical self-care strategies. There's seven buckets that I want you to fill when it relates to your own self-care. So let's get into it. The first bucket, number one, is going to be your mental bucket, right? This entails self-care strategies that fill your mind with things that will improve your mental well-being, right? That could be positive self-talk, giving yourself a pep talk. That could be listening to uplifting music. I have a happy playlist. I have a confident playlist. So creating playlists that put you in a good mood, right? TV shows that are positive, right? That are going to inspire you, uplift you. So everything that you take in, your media, your social media, your television, your music, everything impacts your mental well-being. That's why some people might have to detox from the news because it's just tragedy after tragedy. Sometimes listening to negative lyrics or rap songs or anything like that could be detrimental to your well-being because your mood is tied to what you're feeding your mind. So if you're feeding your mind things that are negative, then it's going to be in that negative state, right? So everything you put it in, this bucket will promote a positive mental well-being, mental atmosphere, mental environment, okay? So affirmations are good to put in this bucket, surrounding yourself with people who inspire you instead of gossiping, that's good for this bucket. Reading self-help books, that's good to strengthen your mind. Listening to podcasts, sermons, learning a new skill, and so on. Those all go into the mental health self care bucket. All right. So bucket number two is your emotional self-care bucket. Now this bucket includes activities that allow you to process, understand, validate, and heal emotional wounds, right? So this might look like getting a mental health therapist to process your emotions, being vulnerable, right? Really sitting into your emotions, understanding them, expressing your emotions in a healthy way, journaling about your emotions, meditating to gain clarity, right? Doing activities that bring you emotional fulfillment, maybe dancing, skating, swimming, exercising, talking with a friend who can empathize with you, trying new experiences that are emotionally fulfilling, right? Setting healthy boundaries around your emotions, right? Not allowing people, places, or things to negatively impact your emotions, right? Really setting healthy boundaries. Like if you know this person is going to trigger you, maybe less time with that person, having less time with that person, certain environments, if they're triggers, you know, removing yourself, being selective about where you spend your time and energy. So knowing those things that fill you up too, knowing what places you can go to, to relax and maybe it's the spa, or maybe it's going to get a pedicure, maybe going to get your nails done. So really doing things that will fill you up emotionally and being intentional about that. Number three is the physical self-care bucket. Now this bucket includes eating healthy, sleeping when your body tells you you're tired, 
resting and relaxing and not just trying to push forward and, you know, not listen to your body, but recognizing when you need to shut your brain off, when you just need downtime. Another thing is exercising, avoiding drugs and alcohol, making sure your body is a temple and that you treat it as such, avoiding high risk lifestyles, going to the doctor for well checks when you need to, vision doctor, dentist, but really taking care of your body. All right, so that you're healthy. Number four is your spiritual self-care bucket. Now this bucket entails having a practice where you spend time daily in prayer, meditation, connecting with your higher power, fasting, Bible study, or reading your religious text, daily devotions, uh, meditation, getting out in nature are just some examples of how you can fill your spiritual bucket. Number five is your financial self-care bucket. Yep, there's a bucket for that because Many of you know that when you are going through financial hardships, it impacts your emotional and mental well-being. So really having a financial self-care bucket is important, right? So this bucket entails, you know, you making sure that you have access to financial resources so that you have some level of control and agency over your financial stability, right? And so financial stability for you as an individual is important and having access to that is part of your basic needs, even if you are married, right? It's important to have access to know what the budget is, to know how much money you have coming in and how much money you have going out and to have an account to where you can get things for your daily use that you need just to survive, right? That's part of your own basic needs for survival. I've seen it time and time again, where there is a divorce or a death and one partner who's had control over all of the finances is no longer available or they can't be contact or they're going through a separation and it leaves the other partner who did not have that information in a very, very tight and bad situation. So you wanna make sure that you have some sense of access to financial resources and a way to get your basic needs met, right? So that's part of your financial self-care. It is also part of your financial self-care is to make sure that your bills are paid on time, that you're managing your credit, that you're saving for the future, and that you're fiscally responsible for managing debt and expenses, okay? Number six is your relational self-care bucket. Now this bucket deals with how we care for ourselves within a relationship. This looks like entering into relationships that are in alignment with you, your values, your shared goals, and so on. It means being selective about who you spend your time and energy on and with. It means requiring people to reciprocate your energy. It means setting boundaries with toxic individuals. It means having healthy boundaries with yourself and not overdoing, overgiving, overextending, and more. All right. And so my last bucket, my last self-care bucket is the occupational self-care bucket. Now, this type of self-care bucket 
ensures that we allow ourselves ample time to get projects done within the time frame of the day. We practice self-care when we ask for more time on a project or we communicate that the deadline or time frames expected are not realistic. So we're advocating for more time. We're advocating for what we need to get the job done in a reasonable time. When we are asked to help out in another department, but we're unable to do so because we are behind on our own stuff, right? So really setting boundaries at work. You know, when we take our lunch outside of the office to get a break and actually eat. So we leave the computer, we take a break and we go and actually eat on our lunch break rather than getting a million and one tasks done or, or working through lunch. But we actually take a break and eat. Occupational self-care looks like when we go home at the time that we're scheduled or that our shift ends and we don't take calls while we're at home or off or on vacation, right? It looks like us when we set realistic to-do lists each day and accomplish them, right? It looks like us selecting positions based on how that position fits into our lifestyle. So maybe we want to work an earlier shift so that we can pick our children up from school. Maybe we want the summers off so that we can be with our kids over the summer or a schedule or position that is much more flexible so that we can still be there for all of the other things that we do. Okay. One that choosing a position based on our stress tolerance. So if we know that the position is a high stress position and we don't manage stress well, then we're probably not going to go out for that. And so that's what it means to have occupational self-care. So in conclusion, I hope these strategies help get you to view self-care in a different light. It is necessary and required to avoid burnout and overwhelm. Self-care is an expression of love that you have for yourself. You are worthy of your own time, energy, and resources. So make sure that you consider yourself in everything that you do and in every aspect of your life. All right. So that is all that I have for now, Rise Tribe. Listen, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.